Welcome to Cutie Clinic. Cutie Clinic is lessons from the clinic, and this month we're featuring Cutie Clinics called Still's Disease or Not. I'm going to present a number of cases to you this month where we're going to figure out together whether the patient has Still's disease or not, or maybe some other auto-inflammatory or periodic fever condition. Our first case today is a 26-year-old male of mixed Caucasian and Asian ancestry who presents with fever. Actually, he presented with arthritis and then fever. He has no past medical history. Um, This was back in March of 2009. He had pain and swelling in his wrists. This was followed two weeks later by a rash on his abdomen, back, and arms. He went to his primary care. The rash was a little bit itchy. The primary care thought allergic reaction, gave him a Medrol dose pack and some Motrin. The rash ultimately got better, and but the wrist pain persisted and then um, spread. A week later, he had a fever of 103. Uh, those fevers came daily, usually around 9 to 10 p.m. They'd last about an hour. He'd have nausea, vomiting, and chills and sweats. Labs showed that he had um, mildly elevated LFTs and a creatinine of 3.3, presumably because he was taking a lot of ibuprofen. But he also had some proteinuria. So going forward, he had fever two to three times a day, like 9 in the morning. You always 9 9 p.m., but sometimes 9 in the morning or 5 p.m. Again, chills and sweats would ensue. A renal biopsy was done while he was in the hospital, and that showed mild interstitial nephritis with IgG deposition. His creatinine went, dropped down from 3.3 to 1.8 and later down to 1.0. He had ID consults and imaging tests in the hospital. Blood cultures were negative, um, and he was discharged with a diagnosis of maybe Stills disease. He was treated with steroids. Six months later, he complained of shortness of breath and fever again, despite the prednisone 20 milligrams a day. The fevers were high. He had nausea and vomiting. He was found to have pneumonia. Um, he underwent imaging. He had um, fibroscopic bronchoscopy. Biopsy showed non-specific, non-specific inflammation. In the hospitals, creatinine was 1, albumin 3.8. LFTs were normal. The, uh, he was anemic with a hemoglobin of 9.8, a white count of 11.9. His sed rate was 106. Platelets are 415,000. The ferritin was 9,800. He was seronegative for ANA, rheumatoid factor, and CCP. The CRP was uh, almost 16, and UA showed trace protein. So he was discharged on prednisone, 40 milligrams a day, and, um, and then given Kinneret, or Anakinra, 100 milligrams a day subcutaneously. Uh, he had great improvement in his fever, but still felt periodically odd, periodically felt like he was going to get a fever. He didn't. He started having injection site reactions um, when he started the Kinneret. Those went away after about a month. Um, he continued with wrist pain and uh, joint pain and swelling in his hands and knees and feet. Um, the labs were about as bad as I've just showed you. Again, he had some mild LFTs. So the question is, you know, um, what does he have? I guess I didn't play up enough uh, that he had chronic polyarthritis. At one point, I think he had 20 tender and 15 swollen joints. So did he have Stills disease or not? 
against the diagnosis was the fact there was no serositis, no pericarditis, no pleuritis, no organomegaly, no lymphadenopathy, just some modest LFT elevations. Also, his fevers were odd. He had fevers in the morning, 9 a.m. That's kind of atypical for Still's disease. They weren't classically quotidian, meaning Q24 hours to almost to the minute. Not really. And his fevers were usually 102 to 103, never reached 104. Now, 102 is good enough for a Still's fever, but 104 makes you feel better. And he had this proteinuria. Now, was that the result of his non-steroidal induced interstitial nephritis damage? Unknown. Um, with time that ultimately went away. But when I saw him, those were my questions. Now, in favor of the diagnosis was the spiking, unpredictable fevers. We gave him points for that. A rash that came and went. Gave him points for that. We gave him points for polyarthritis, a prodromal sore throat, high Y count, high sed rate, high CRP, high ferritin, um, and um, increased LFTs and being seronegative. That said, he met Cush criteria and had 10 points. If you go to stillsnow.com, use the uh, diagnosis calculator, you can figure this out by just putting it in yourself. He also met Yamaguchi criteria with seven points. That was greater than five points and had more than two major criteria. But the question in him was, what about the renal? Over time, he behaved like stills. He had a partial response to Kinneret. He had a great response to methotrexate and tocilizumab, but ultimately he needed methotrexate and leflunamide as DMARDs along with tocilizumab, 8 milligrams per kilogram to control the arthritis and the systemic manifestations of disease. Six years later, um, the insurance, actually reading this gentleman's notes, lots of insurance issues, denials, letters, it's just a horror what patients have to go through to get medicines. Six years later, while off of tocilizumab because of an insurance issue, he started losing weight. His fevers went to 103.8. He had chills and sweats, cough, chest pain, um, um, and mnemonic infiltrates. He had leukopenia, thrombocytopenia, very high L uh, LFT elevations, and a ferritin that was greater than 10,000. We tried to treat him as an outpatient by giving him uh, a JAK inhibitor and high-dose prednisone, and, and then we had to hold his methotrexate because of the LFTs, and within a few days, he's in the hospital and diagnosed with macrophage activation syndrome due to his stills disease, probably prompted by the insurance company withdrawal of the tocilizumab. Um, again, his, uh, his, he was very anemic. His white count was 2.2. His hemoglobin went down to 8. Uh, his aldolase was 26, his ALT was 930, his AST was 621, um, his creatinine was only 0 0.9. So he was managed inpatient with steroids and cyclosporin, couldn't afford the cyclosporin as an outpatient, was discharged uh, as an outpatient. I gave him um, to tofacitinib samples to hold him over, uh, and he did very, very well going forward. Go forward almost 10 years, he's largely being managed with just methotrexate, really seldom has a rash, never has a fever anymore, but he's just on methotrexate um, and doing well. So he settled down into the chronic arthritis. Stills disease or not, yes, he had Stills disease. His, and it was rip-roaring, wild systemic disease in the first few years. Now, to almost 10 years later, he only has articular disease, and it's bad poly rheumatoid-like polyarthritis, but well-controlled. Now it's just methotrexate, but he did need methotrexate, leflunamide, 
tofacitinib, prednisone, kineret, and then ultimately uh, the tocilizumab. Yes, it was Stills disease. Tune in for another QD. Was it Stills disease or not? Next. Welcome to QD Clinic. Stills disease or not? QD Clinic is lessons from the clinic, and I've got a good case for you. This is a 38-year-old man who came, me a few, came to see me a few years ago for joint pain and Stills disease. He has a past medical history of depression, bipolar disorder, and poor sleep problems. In 2009, he presented to uh, the hospital with sore throat, malaise, chills, and then fevers of 102 to 103 daily. He had widespread aching. Um, he took a lot of over-the-counter Motrin. He developed rashes and had very abnormal labs. He was hospitalized for five days um, in the hospital. He had a lot of he had he had no procedures or biopsies. Had a lot of imaging. Labs showed an AST of 82, ALT of 191, albumin of three, white count of 23,000, platelet count of 642,000. And um, he would have his fevers um, at breakfast, and then again at 9 a.m., and then again at 9 p.m. Kind of odd. He would always have chills and sweats with that. His highest recorded fever was 104 degrees Fahrenheit, but was usually 102. Um, he was bothered a lot by weight loss of 20 pounds, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, workup for GI problems, found nothing. He had endoscopy. Nothing was found. He had ongoing myalgias and aching, um, but no clear-cut arthritis, although he said at one time his hands were swollen. He was given 20 milligrams of prednisone and got better. Okay, um, He was later um, diagnosed having Stills disease by his local rheumatologist who went on to give him prednisone and methotrexate. Uh, and then after that, he gave him Remicade. He had a rash. Uh, Zelgans, he had a rash. He took Kineret for a while. That helped and really helped his labs, but he didn't like doing the injections. He was on Kineret and Minocin when I saw him not taking methotrexate. Um, when I saw him, I asked, when was the last time you had fevers? It was about uh, seven years ago. Last time he had rash or hives, seven years ago. He currently was taking um, an NSAID and Kineret every day without side effects. His pain level was 7 out of 10. His disease activity level, patient global assessment, was also 7 out of 10. On my exam, he was afibrile with normal vital signs. He had no skin lesions. He had no uh, adenopathy. His chest exam was normal. On joint exam, there was no swelling, no nodules, no deformity, no uh, contractures. He had multiple areas of joint and soft tissue tenderness, especially around the PIPs, MCPs, knees and ankles. His tender joint count was 11. His swollen joint count was zero. His CDI score was 25. He had tender points bilaterally in the trochanters, interscapular and paraspinal muscles. Labs um, were not done at this visit. I felt that they were not necessary since I knew what he was dealing with. The question is, does he have Stills disease or not? And I guess you have to consider two ways. When he was seen seven years ago and he had all that fever and white count of 23,000, was that Stills disease or not? Well, it's possible. Again, his fever was atypical, right? Um, he had no serositis, but he was seronegative. He, he, um, uh, he had the quotidian fevers. He had rashes. He had a white count of 23,000, a high sed rate of 65, CRP of 121, 
milligrams per liter or 12.1 milligrams per deciliter. Normal LFTs, um, no, no, I'm sorry, he had abnormal LFTs. So he, by my criteria, he had 11 points and had the criteria, had the diagnosis back then. He did not meet Yamaguchi criteria as he only had five points that, back in um, seven years ago. Currently, he's got no points. He does not have Stills disease currently. His main problem right now is chronic widespread pain, soft tissue pain, um, poor sleep, um, he has a bipolar disorder. He has myofascial pain syndrome and doesn't meet criteria for fibromyalgia, but needed to be treated as such. This is why no further lab testing was done. I told the gentleman if he had ongoing complaints more than what we saw today, he should come back. He did not come back. If he had ongoing complaints, we might have considered doing genetic testing in him. But was this Stills disease or not? Not. At least not today. And I can only conjecture about what was going on in 2009 based on his reports. Tune in for more Stills or Not on QD Clinics. This is QD Clinic, Stills Disease or Not. QD Clinic this month is about febrile disorders, lessons from the clinic. Our case today is a 45-year-old female who presents to see me. Her problems began when she was age 40, and she presented um, with hives, tendinitis, arthralgias, and wrist pains. She went to her doctor. Labs showed that she had high liver enzymes, uh, and these kind of went up quite a bit, almost like AST, ALT of greater than 1,200 and 1,800. She was admitted to the hospital and followed in biopsy. At that time, her ferritin level was 1,900. Her, her bilirubin was normal. Her aldolase was greater than 32. Her angiotensin-converting enzyme was normal. She had a border borderline anti-mitochondrial antibody of 1 to 40. Her LDH was greater than 900. And she had negative tests for ANA, rheumatoid factor, CCP, ANCA, LKM1, HIV, and CMV titers. And her double-stranded DNA was negative as well. A liver biopsy showed acute hepatitis without cirrhosis. There was no evidence of PBC or granulomatous disease. Uh, and she was managed with steroids. Her other labs were really not that abnormal. Her set rate was only four. Her CRP was um, mildly elevated at 1.6 milligrams per deciliter, and her highest white count was 13,000. She was seen by two rheumatologists and treated with high-dose steroids to get out of the hospital. And then as an outpatient, she had polyarthralgias, some swelling per her report, but regular and intermittent urticaria with fevers that would last for three to five days, and then uh, rashes and arthralgias that she felt she were unbearable. The fevers were usually 101 to 102 late afternoon or evening, last a few hours, would have some shivers, but no, de no sweats, no defervescence and sweating. She had chronic fatigue, uh, and she said the rash always preceded the fever. These urticarial itchy rashes were sent to the dermatologist, and they called it hives, and one did a biopsy, and it showed evidence of leukocytoclastic vasculitis and nothing else. So her predominant complaints are she feels intermittently crappy. She's chronically fatigued. Um, she goes up and down on her weight. She has myalgias. She has intermittent fevers along with intermittent diarrhea, dyspnea, numbness, depression, anxiety, um, and these non-paritic uh, hives. And now she has a metallic taste in her mouth. Uh, she denied any significant weight loss, uh, conjunctivitis, uveitis, back problems, psoriasis, uh, and was not having rash when I saw her. 
when I saw her, she was on 15 milligrams of methotrexate a week for three months. Um, adalimumab every other week and prednisone 15 a day and hydrocodone every other day PRN for pain and was not doing well with chronic fatigue and pain. She said her last fever was, I think at that point, seven or eight years ago. Or, no, I'm sorry. When she first presented, her last fever was uh, initial admission. Um, and by the time I saw her, she was not febrile. On my exam, she did not have any swollen joints, enthesitis, nodules, contractures, or deformities. She had no tender joints and no swollen joints. But yet her CDI score was 16, really because of hack and pain and whatnot. Labs that we did showed the Y count to be 18.3. She's on prednisone, remember. Her H&H is 14 over 42. Her platelets are 275K. She has a normal differential. Her chem profile is normal, with normal creatinine, normal LFTs. Yet her aldolase is elevated at 12.4, and her um, CPK is only 35. Her sed rate and CRP are normal. No evidence of immune complexes by C1Q binding. ANA and, um, is negative. Her CRP uh, also, as I said, was normal. Her quantiferon was negative, as was her alpha-1 antitrypsin level. Ig immunoglobulin levels were all normal. Um, and so she's not having an effect with methotrexate, prednisone, and uh, adalimumab. She previously did not tolerate or do well with uh, etanercept. And the question is, does she have Stills disease or not? And I believe she does not have Stills disease. She does not, in fact, meet criteria, either Cush or Yamaguchi criteria for Stills disease. But yet, I believe she, this could be an auto-inflammatory syndrome because she has periodic, repeatable fevers monthly for three to five days. It's associated with rashes, urticarial and non-urticarial rashes. She has LFT elevations. Um, and I think for these reasons and um, uh, what else? Um, and then the arthrologists, which are sort of nonspecific related to her poor sleep. So she does not meet criteria. It was 2013 or 15, I think this was. Um, we put her on Actemra. Uh, she didn't respond at all to Actemra. We tried to put her on Canakinumab. Uh, Ilaris couldn't get it approved. We sent for genetic testing for traps. She's from Amsterdam, she ha uh, or Copenhagen. She um, has these fevers that last for um, more than three days, but less than a week, and they're intermittent. So traps might be a problem. An auto-inflammatory condition that may have a genetic cause would have been great, but we sent for a traps testing. It was 2013, never got it approved, never got done. Um, when she was doing lousy on a Temra, we put her back on the Kinneret and she did well. She got control over symptoms um, from the fever and the rash and within two days. And she stayed basically on Kinneret for a long time. Um, and when she transferred her care back home to Amsterdam, she was on Kinneret and two milligrams of prednisone. So the problem was A, not still disease, B, probably another auto-inflammatory disease, thankfully, it was IL-1 inhibitor responsive, and an IL-1 inhibitor responsivity, in my opinion, is sort of suggested by that, that high aldolase level. Aldolase is a very good biomarker 
for auto-inflammatory and Stills disease. And usually when it's very high, they respond well to IL-1 inhibition in my experience. Um, again, we considered a lot of other conditions, traps, schnitzlers, um, uh, alpha antitrypsin deficiency and whatnot. But I think auto-inflammatory was her best diagnosis. Now, I would definitely have gotten genetic testing on her for cheap with a battery of genes to better characterize that and better know what future therapy she would be on. That's it for Stills Disease or Not. Tune in for more QD Clinics. This is QD Clinic. Stills or Not. Hi, I'm Dr. Jack Cush, executive editor of RoomNow.com. We're doing a series on Stills or Not, meaning cases from the clinic where you've got to decide, was it Stills Disease or something else? This is a really old case. In fact, this was a patient of the very famous Gerald Rodman from the University of Pittsburgh. And I was reading his notes many, many years ago and came across this letter. It's a letter from the wife of a patient who's afflicted with a febrile disorder. You've got to figure out, is it stills or not? She says, illness, unknown crippling malady. Interesting title, huh? Symptoms. Begins with intense sore throat, muscle weakness and soreness, joints red and swollen. There was an itchy rash, hearing loss, and he can't eat. He's losing weight. He's alternatively feverish and shaking with cold. Now he's practically immobile. His history first began April 23rd and went to the hospital a week later. Chances of survival looked bad. The diagnosis was rheumatic fever, but after the first week, it was decided that was the wrong diagnosis. Tests of every sort were made and all proved negative. He was sent home May 19th, though he didn't look good. His fever stayed up over 103. June was bad for him. By July, he's working full time again. Very interesting, huh? What do we see? There's arthritis, crippling, immobile. Began with a sore throat. He's got myalgia and soreness. His joints are swollen, we said. He's got an itchy rash. He's got hearing loss. He's losing weight and has anorexia. He has fever, although they don't describe the fever pattern other than it was alternatively feverish. And then he would get the shaking chills, which usually follows high fevers. But did the fever go back to normal? We don't know. June was bad for him, but the disease remitted. And by July, he was working full-time again. So this started in April. He was in the hospital in May. June was bad. In July, he's at least back at work. Stills or not? Well, this patient was included in a series that I published back, oh, I don't know when, maybe 2000, no, exactly 1990 or so. Um, the authors on are myself and Tom Metzger and Wallace Christie. But in retrospect, maybe this man didn't have stills. Maybe this man had, and the key hook in this, in this history is the sensory neural hearing loss. When you see that, that should be the big red flag for Muckle-Wells syndrome. 
Muckle Well syndrome was described first in 1962, and since then we've come to know this as an autosomal dominant disorder where there's a missense mutation of the NALP3 gene that leads to activation of caspase 1, meaning the inflammasome, and excessive release of IL-1, which causes all the symptoms. While most of these, again, this is an inherited disorder, it's included in the cryopyrin-associated periodic syndromes, or CAPS. Muckle-Wells is one of the three disorders in there. Also, um, the other ones being FCAS and Nomad or Cinca. And those are being much more rare um, and very different than this. Most of these cases occur before the age of 20. There's about 10 to 20% that can occur after age 20. And there's probably about maybe 20 variants on this mutation that all lead to the same kind of features. The the features are, the classic triad here is the um, urticaria, the nerve deafness, and then, unfortunately, the late development of amyloid nephropathy. So... Um, there, again, many, many cases, the episodes are brought on by exposure to cold, and that can lead to patients feeling achy, flu-like, bad, fever, uh, like the fevers are not as prominent here as they are in Stills disease and other febrile disorders. Maybe only 30, 40% of patients have fever and the fever lasts in general three to five days, but usually no more than seven. And that becomes important in the differential diagnosis. Other features here include conjunctivitis, um, fatigue, uh, abdominal pains, um, and again, that amyloidosis, which occurs at about 25% of patients, can lead to renal failure. Patients with Stills disease don't get renal failure, although Stills, systemic JIA, can be associated with amyloidosis, like the other auto-inflammatory syndromes. But if I see that, I'm thinking other auto-inflammatory syndromes like this one and FMF and a few others. The labs are crazy high, high white count, high sed rate and whatnot. I once had a patient come in um, for a visit with his mother. The patient was about 35. The mother was about 70, 60, 70. And uh, he came in and said, um, my mother and I have had um, fevers um, intermittently for a long time. We've been called Stills disease, and that's why we're here to see you, Dr. Kush. But we don't think it's Stills disease. We think we have Muckle-Well syndrome. This is like in the first two minutes of the visit. And I said, I asked like two more questions, and sure enough, it was Muckle-Well syndrome proven by gene testing and whatnot. The treatment of Muckle-Wells, very responsive to IL-1 inhibitors. And again, the key to the diagnosis here is the duration of fever. Stills disease, it's a fever every day, and it should last for 6 to 12 months, continuously, daily, spiking, and then going back to normal, hence the quotidian pattern. But when it's not daily, and it comes and goes, and is therefore periodic, the duration of fever becomes diagnostic. One to two to three days, that's like uh, FMF and, and very few other disorders. When you start having three to five days of fever, you're thinking of this, Muckle-Well syndrome, hyper-IgD, and FAPA, P-F-A-P-A. When you see fevers of 10 days to three weeks, you should be thinking traps. Anyway, in this patient letter from DM, 
We don't know for certain that it was Muckle Wells, but the sensory neural hearing loss with the rest of the story makes it likely. Tune in for more Stills or Not.